Hey y'all, welcome back to the God Center Mom Podcast. I'm your host, Heather McFadden. This is the place where we remind you through mentorship, friendship, and discipleship that you don't mom alone. In this episode, number 206, I'm chatting with Nancy Houston about overcoming barriers to sexual intimacy. And a lot of times we just, you know, we just hope these things will get better. But truthfully, Heather, we all need help. And there is no shame. There's no embarrassment in asking for help. I have needed help to heal and recover. I just try to keep people around me because we were never meant to do this life alone. And the truth is, is that we are sexual creatures by God's design. But this is an area where the enemy has really, I think, does triple time in trying to kill, steal, and destroy. Because sexuality is is such an intimate expression of who God is, I, I believe. I believe our sexuality is at the core of who we are as God's creatures. Because it's this very intimate part of us, and God is such an intimate God. We are His bride. We are His beloved. He pursues us. He goes after us. He wants to have a knowing, intimate relationship with us. And really, intimacy is about being known and knowing. It's about opening up ourselves and letting somebody see those vulnerable places of who I am. I 100% agree, and that is why I'm thrilled to have Nancy on the show today. We're doing some kingdom work. She's the author of Love and Sex, The Christian Guide to Healthy Intimacy. And via Instagram, y'all shared with me bravely your barriers to sexual intimacy, and she is going to give us some help. Here is your earbud warning. If you often listen with kids around or maybe in your office, this may be one to uh, listen to privately. We're going to cover all the things from exhausted young moms to addiction and abuse and even just how men and women are wired differently and what we can do to overcome some of those differences and regain a balance and a communication level in our marriages so that so that we can reflect the intimacy that God intended for sex to be. So today's topic is kind of heavy, but also necessary to have these conversations. And, you know, something to lighten it up is one of this month's sponsors. It's Fab Fit Fun. And y'all, my summer box arrived. You know how I told you they're a seasonal subscription box service and they send you a box of beauty, fitness, and lifestyle products, like full-size products? Well, my box came. The the box alone on the outside made me feel really special. And then I opened it up and I just kept unwrapping things and thinking, oh, this is really special. Oh, this is really special. It's great. I'll tell you more about what was in my box in upcoming episodes. If you want to check it out, go to fabfitfun.com. They're going to give you $10 off. So everything in my box was valued at over $200. You would only pay with that coupon $39.99 on your first box to try it out. So you know, maybe ask for it for a belated Mother's Day gift or if you have a birthday coming up or just because, you know, maybe you could say, hubby, what would make me feel special and ready to be intimate with you is if I got a little pampering and I heard about this great company, FabFitFun. So uh, point him over to FabFitFun.com and give him that coupon code GCM uh, for $10 off. 
All right, let's get to my conversation with Nancy. Here we go. Hey, Nancy, welcome to the God-Centered Mom podcast. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's a delight to be here with you, Heather. Well, we have so many common friends. (laughs) So many people highly recommended you, uh, specifically on this topic, that I am thrilled thrilled to get to have you on the show and help help these gals out in a really tender area of life and a marriage. So thank you for being willing. Oh, I am delighted. Thank you for having me. So introduce yourself real quick to everyone listening who's not familiar with you and your family. Yeah. Okay. So I have been married to my high school sweetheart for almost 44 years. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. I love that. We got, mar- we got married right out of high school and uh, we had our first son when we were 19 years old. Look so yeah. So we have four sons. They are all grown, married, and we have eight grandbabies. So congratulations. Oh my stars. Any uh-huh. girls in there? This gives me hope. Yes. Okay. We have five granddaughters. Oh my stars. You get all I the know. tights and all the bows. I know it. It's, it's amazing. I just adore these little girls, but I still adore the little boys too. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah. Good. Well, the mom that's listening that has the three sons that are all under the age of five just got a little more excited. So yes, yes. There's, there's hope. They do get potty trained. They do grow up. They, yes. they, they make stop it. biting and hitting people. Yes, they stop biting. I don't think any any of mine have bitten anybody for a long time now. <laughs> okay, good. Okay, good. That's good. That's, see, all these things bring hope. That's all right. helpful. Oh my goodness, boys are just more aggressive. Yeah, it's and in, it's I in remember. Them. It, I remember when my friends had three little girls and I had these four boys, and I'm like, "What's wrong with them?" But mm-hmm. the more I, I learned about boys, they are just more aggressive. Yeah, it takes a lot of humbling and training (laughs) in this world that we're in that doesn't have a lot of outlets for aggression, um, positive outlets. So yeah, I totally get that. Okay. So tell everyone what you do for a living so that share your credentials before we jump into this topic. Okay. So I am a licensed professional counselor and I am also a sex therapist. And really I became a therapist and then God just started filling my office with people who were either sex wasn't working in their marriages, um, maybe they had been raised in homes where sex wasn't talked about, or it was really kind of religious and rigid, so sex was bad, or they'd experienced some sexual abuse or harassment, or um, maybe they were struggling with porn issues. And so God and I just started this conversation about, well, if this is what you're going to fill my office with, what do I do? Mm-hmm. So I got certified as a sex therapist because I wanted to be good at what I do. I wanted to really be able to help people. And um, I was on staff at Gateway Church for five years. And uh, I left there about two and a half years ago and became a Townsend leadership coach. So I have three Townsend leadership groups that I lead. And then I have written a book in the last year called Love and Sex, A Christian Guide to Healthy Intimacy. And then I still see clients. So I have this wonderful career that I love. It's awesome. It's awesome. And so I reached out to Instagram. I know all the Facebook people hate me when I say this on shows, but it was a last minute thing. We had to rearrange 
the interview because I have a meeting at school. And so I was like, oh, I need to ask for questions. And so I went on Instagram because they're fast responders. And yes. um, the feedback I got just highlighted how much we need to have this conversation. So yeah. many women. And I was able then when they would tell me their struggle to say, you're not alone. I just got five more messages with that same question. Yeah. And so I thought we would break this conversation down to the different areas that I received the most questions about. And I think for the young mom listening, one of the biggest barriers to intimacy um, may just be the reality of her situation with yeah. either. I, I felt like this for a decade. I was pregnant or nursing yes. for a decade. I yes. mean, we talk about fashion trends by decades. This was like <laughs> missing an entire trend of fashion was yeah. how long I was hormonally off balance and yeah. just touched by children constantly or um, it's like how can something like your breasts be a food source and then something sexual and attractive to a spouse it's a very odd yeah. season and I know we had a come to Jesus moment after my second was an infant just recognizing huh. how distant we'd grown in our intimacy and me being hurt when I found out my husband had gone to our small group guys and they knew before I did. Mm, so yeah. I, I think this is real. This is hard. We know our husbands need it. We don't need to be told again that this is important yeah. to them. We feel that guilt, that shame, but yeah. we don't know how to overcome just utter exhaustion and overwhelm with this area. So give, yeah. what, what do you help? How do you help the mom who's in that situation? Well, you know, a few things I want to say to your moms is have some grace for yourself, first yeah. of all. You know, lots of grace. Um, this this season will pass, and it's not an easy season. A lot is demanded of you. And I encourage young moms, like, if you can, when your kids take a nap, take a nap. Um, you know, recruit your friends to help you, uh, ask your husband for more help, let him be your hero, ask him for more help mm -hmm. and have conversations with him. I think couples, you know, it always amazes me how couples can be having sex, but they have a hard time talking about sex. And that's partly why I wrote this book is to help couples have conversations and just to open up a conversation about sexuality in the Christian community, because I think we need to talk about it a lot more. Mm -hmm. And then I think that women need to realize that um, once you've had a child or two, female sexuality does change at that point. And you kind of feel like you've lost your ooh-la-la, baby, I want you, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> which honestly has been medically proven mm. that female sexuality after you've had a couple kids is a lot different than male sexuality. Male sexuality is pretty straightforward. There's a desire and then arousal and then orgasm and then a plateau. You know, it's kind of done. <laughs> Just nice and simple and focused. Yeah. Like, you know, guys are right. nice and simple focused. Right. Yeah. And, and, you know, when we look at male and female brains, we learn that females have a lot more activity going on in their brains that females have very busy brains and males don't. It, it's, it's simpler. Even their sexuality is more straightforward. Um, for females, our sexuality is more circular and after we've had children, sexuality becomes more of a choice instead of like we're hit with this desire. We see them and like, oh, I want you, you know, mm -hmm. it's more like, hmm, 
well, I'm tired and the kids have been pulling on me all day and I'm breastfeeding and I don't feel sexy. And so sexuality becomes more of a choice, like I'm willing to engage. And that's why I think the Song of Solomon talks a lot about foreplay is because females need foreplay. We need an opportunity to connect and slow our brains down and start to feel sexual. And so when we choose to be sexual, it'll take a while to find first gear. But typically, once we kind of start finding first gear, then eventually we'll find second, third, and fourth. And then oftentimes I'll ask moms this all the time. So once you engage and you're sexual with your husband, do you end up enjoying it? Is, is it kind of good for you when you're done? And she'll say, yeah, I'll say to him, wow, that was great. We should do this more often. <laughs> right. Uh, right? Right. Have right. you ever felt that way? Yeah. I know I have. Yeah. And, um, but getting there is just like this overwhelming yeah, task. Yes. Yes. It's overwhelming. So what I like to say to women is, you know, I don't believe in women, you need to service your husband. I just think that's counterproductive because females are sexual as men are. We just have a different pathway to getting there. Mm. And I think we have to stop comparing ourselves to the men in our lives or our man and go, okay, God wired me differently and accept that about ourselves and realize, but God made sex for me too. And, you know, I think that's why God gave females a clitoris. It has no utilitarian purposes except for female sexual pleasure. And I think that's God's way of saying, okay, girls, I made sex for you as well. And I want it to be, I made it for pleasure for you. And it's actually really good for your brain to have sex because you release all these feel-good hormones and it bonds you to this man that you're married to. And, you know, God gave us this way to, to bond us together and to connect us. And honestly, sometimes it can be one of the simpler, just God-given gifts of how we can connect as husband and wife. Yeah. Yeah. There's, um, if for anyone who you know, needs help in this particular area too. definitely check out Nancy's book and check out some of the episodes I've done with um, Francie Winslow, who just talks about the ripple effects of a healthy sexual connection as a motivator. If, if none of the issues we're about to talk about are a thing for you, it's just truly getting your mind um, willing to <laughs> not not do the work, but kind of um, yeah. of of saying, OK, this is worth it on the other side to um make this a priority, then go check out Francie's episodes. And I and I want to bring up too, we're saying, you know, it's harder for the woman and she's made differently. But I had several women reach out to me and say, can we talk about uh, women who have a higher sex drive than their husbands for various reasons, whether the husband has diabetes or um, is older, yeah. uh, is has low testosterone, is depressed, has a porn addiction, what do we do as women when we're the ones initiating and the husband? So again, it's it's this mismatch, but the opposite yeah. that a lot yeah. of people talk about. Yeah. And oftentimes that's the case. Like, I think one of the biggest struggles that couples have is finding out, um, you know, what's a sexual rhythm that's going to work for us? Because 30% of females do want more sex than their husbands do. So I just want to say, you aren't weird. You yeah. aren't some sort of freak. You're fine. Yeah. Um, you know, 
And so I would encourage you, like, have conversations with him about this. And whether you're the high desire or the low desire, I think couples need to learn how to become sexual friends. Mm. And uh, before we can be great lovers, we have to be sexual friends to each other and be able to say, hey, how can we have a great sex life that meets your needs and that meets my needs? And where we this can be a fun part of our life where we aren't having power struggles, where we aren't hurting each other, but where we're really learning how to love each other. I think there's a big learning curve to all of this. And, you know, too many times we treat sex as something that should be automatic. And if we love each other, this should just work. And that's just not true. I mean, statistically, 60% of couples are having some sort of sexual problem right this minute. Wow. And so if it's not you, lucky you, it will be. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. things, things will change and you will experience sexual hurdles. I know in 44 years of marriage, Ron and I have have been through all kinds of different seasons where I'm feeling less sexual because I have four little boys or he's and he's feeling more sexual or, you know, he's having some health issues and, and low testosterone and I'm feeling more sexual. And so, you know, we've just decided let's keep our sex life on the front burner. Let's not ever put it on the back burner. Let's make it a priority. And when we hit hurdles with each other, let's build bridges towards each other instead of burning our bridges and being hurt and going to our separate corners. Let's talk this through. Let's work this through. And the best place to do that is not when you're in bed with each other trying to be sexual. Hmm. Um, The best time to do this is maybe like you're on a car drive. You know, you're just driving in the car and like, hey, how's sex been for you? And what turns you on and what turns you off? And, you know, honestly, it might be as something as simple as, you know, babe, I'd love it if you brushed your teeth more often. You know what I mean? <laughs> I mean, right? Yes. You know, yeah. um, just can be some hygiene issues or, <laughs> you know, or sex has been kind of quick lately. And I feel like mm. you're getting an orgasm and I'm not. So I'm kind of mm. losing interest. Mm. Or, um, you know, I'm breastfeeding. So when women are producing, when they're breastfeeding, they're producing a lot of prolactin and that can kind of slow down a female sex drive. That's why with women, I'm always like, you know, men automatically think about sex frequently until they get older. Um, and so I encourage women like think about sex, uh, read book, great books about human sexuality. Um, there's a lot of good Christian books out there. Yeah. If you can, if you send me those titles, I can put those in. Show yeah. Notes. Yeah. Yeah. That can just help females with the sexual education piece of it mm-hmm. and realize that for females, our biggest sex organ is our brain. Hmm. And so when we start thinking about sex and start in the day, start thinking about, your most, your last most pleasant sexual experience with your husband and like, oh, well, how can we have that again? And, you know, what can I do to save some energy for sex? What do I need? Where do I need to ask for more help? Where do I uh, need to say, hey, babe, I'd love to have sex with you tonight. Could you give the kids a bath and put them to bed and I'll go take a bath and have a little me time? Yeah. 
you know? If one barrier to intimacy for you is exhaustion, well, let me help you out because one of this month's sponsors is going to do some work for you in the meal planning area, and it's Preptish. I've told you about them before, but if you want to check them out, it's a great way to get healthy food on the table for your family, especially for you moms who like to have your hands in it. You still want to feel like a part of the show. So basically, they send you an email. It has your grocery list, and you can link it to Instacart if you want them to do the shopping for you, which is great. Then they give you a list of how to prep the food. So then the night of, you're either popping it in the oven, piecing things together, but it's not much work the night of. And so you have more energy for the end of the night, if you know what I'm saying here, to go with the topic of today. If you want to check it out, go to prepdish.com forward slash GCM. They're going to give you a free two-week trial. And that's going to get you through most of May, which is fabulous. And use the coupon code GCM as well. This week, I'm going to be serving my boys cilantro citrus chicken. Yum. Over mixed greens with cucumbers and avocado. Anytime there's avocado in one of these recipes, I'm like, yes. Uh, Also going to try the blueberry crisp because, again, I'm a sucker for a good crisp. If you want to try it out, go to prepdish.com forward slash GCM. All right, let's get back to my conversation with Nancy. Here we go. Well, and if our largest sex organ, like you said, is our brain, let's talk about the gals where there is so much wounding and pain and um, sexual abuse in her past, uh, mistrust, betrayal, if, if porn has been a part of their story, um, just like an affair with an actual person that can have um, mirroring effects in your marriage. Um, what, what do we do to help her... Um, move forward with healing and health because it is such a huge, huge, huge barrier to intimacy. Oh, it is. And the statistics for female sexual abuse are staggering. And they have profound effects on our brains when we've experienced sexual abuse of any kind. And I talk a lot about it in the book and how to heal and recover because we really are going to need to have a healing pathway to heal and recover from any types of sexual abuse, whether it was in childhood or during your teen years or college years, if you've experienced any unwanted sexual touch, you've got to realize that we cannot minimize that or deny it, but we have to face what happened to us. I I experienced childhood sexual abuse, and then when I was 17, I was actually raped by a youth pastor. Oh, my gosh. I'm so sorry. Yeah. Well, thank you. So I've... I just had to really go on a healing journey. Mm. And, you know, for a long time, I just denied it and tried to minimize it. But I had to really face it and grieve my losses because there's tremendous losses when things like that happen to you. Mm. And um, put myself in a community where I could heal and where I could have some mismatching experiences, for example, instead of. Um, just denying it or not being able to talk about it, being around people who could say, oh, I'm so sorry, that shouldn't have happened to you. And I hurt with you and I empathize with you. And I just want to validate you that that was terrible and that was wrong and that was hurtful. And, you know, I think we really have to integrate our lives into the family of God where we can be around healthy, safe people. And how could you do that when you... The, help, the person who should be safe, the youth pastor. 
yeah. was the one who yeah. caused it. Because I, I know she's out there. She's like, sure, healthy, safe people in the body of Christ. They're the ones who yeah. did the damage. And so there's even that hurdle to overcome. Well, there is. And we just have to realize that people are people. And even in Christian communities, there are safe people and there are unsafe people. Mm. And, you know, we women, we have a lot of intuition. Mm. And I think we need to be encouraged to listen to our guts. Mm. You know, listen to what the Holy Spirit is saying to us, because really, we have a lot of empathy, we have a lot of intuition, we have a lot of self control. And we need to tap into those things. So and, where did you find the safest group? Well, you know, I I connected with a great therapist, and he was just the kindest man. And when I told him my story, he sat there and wept because mm. I was still in denial. And I'm like, oh, it wasn't that bad. I survived. And he's like, no, Nancy, it was that bad. And so it started really with him. And um and then I joined a women's group where we could we were processing our sexual traumas. And uh, was that like a group know, that your church to, hosted? Was it something uh, that, or like you guys yeah. just found each other? Yeah, I kind of found each other. And mm-hmm. so when I was at Gateway Church, I started a lot of groups for people where they could heal and recover. Okay, because I'm like. Gosh, people need safe places. Yeah, and so I spent a lot of my work days uh, training leaders how to be a safe place, how to help people heal from sexual trauma because there's way more of it than we want to admit. As a matter of fact, a lot of the porn issues that people have because both male and females have porn issues, right? And there's a difference between it being like oh, I caught my husband looking at porn and he's so repentant and so sorrowful. There's a difference between that and sexual addiction. Um, Sexual addiction typically means that there's a lot of deeper wounds there that need to be addressed Mm. and where he or she really need to get some help because typically um, they've experienced their own trauma and they grew up in a dysfunctional family And they grew up where addictions were just kind of normalized and accepted. And so when people have a personal history of trauma, they really need to get some therapy for that. And um, they need to get in some groups. A lot of churches nowadays are are doing like Conquer Series, uh, Seven Pillars, where they can get into a group and really heal from porn issues and we have to know that there's a lot deeper things going on there and so if your husband's struggling with a sexual addiction I'd encourage you to say hey I hurt with you but we have a problem and we can't just keep pushing this elephant under the rug we have to get help for this and it's not going to go away on its own it's not going to get better on its own and we can't get stuck in just wishful thinking we have to get help and we have to address whatever problem we're having in our marriage. We have to address it. It's same with infidelities. You know, um, I have a good friend, Rick Reynolds, who has a program called Affair Recovery in Austin, Texas. And I like if couples have had if somebody's had an affair, I'm like, you have to get the appropriate help to heal and recover. Right. And a lot of times we just, you know, we just hope these things will get better. But truthfully, Heather, 
we all need help and there is no shame. There's no embarrassment in asking for help. I have needed help to heal and recover. I still seek out safe people. I have people around me where when I'm struggling, I can say, hey, I need help. I need support. I need comfort. I need empathy. I need feedback. I need wisdom. Mm -hmm. You know, I just try to keep people around me because we were never meant to do this life alone. And the truth is, is that we are sexual creatures by God's design. But this is an area where the enemy has really, I think, does triple time in trying to kill, steal, and destroy. Because sexuality is is such an intimate expression of who God is, I I believe. I believe our sexuality is at the core of who we are as God's creatures because it's this very intimate part of us, and God is such an intimate God. We are His bride. We are His beloved. He pursues us. He goes after us. He wants to have a knowing, intimate relationship with us. And really, intimacy is about being known and knowing. It's about opening up ourselves and letting somebody see those vulnerable places of who I am. Yeah. And so, yeah, I think the enemy just tries to really go after this part of all of us in one way or another, even if, like, say you were raised in a very religious home. Where yes, were, let's talk yeah, about that. That was right? one that came up, I think, yeah. a lot yeah. in my questions is what if you were raised to a really wholesome and it's bad and that's like <laughs> – touch that and die kind of situation. And then all of a sudden you're in a marriage and it's supposed to be good. And your mind for women, again, this mind shift, if that's our largest sexual organ, the brain cannot wrap its head around the fact that, wait, I was told forever this is wrong and bad. And now I'm supposed to enjoy it. Oh, I think we send so many mixed messages in the church about sexuality. Um, You know, sex is dirty. Save it for the one you love. I mean, how confusing is that, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and there is nothing dirty about sex. We are all sexual creatures. You know, little boys have their first erection 30 seconds after they're born. Females' vaginas lubricate about three minutes after they're born. See, we're, we females, we're just a little slower sexually than males, even at birth. <laughs> even at birth. You know, even yeah. at birth. Yeah. Um, because, you know, males have, uh, uh, they have this Y chromosome. And so because they do, they have these testosterone washes in the womb. And because they do, studies have shown that, you know, as fetal testosterone goes up, eye contact, empathy, and the ability to read what was in someone else's mind go down. Mm. And that's part of why we males and females struggle with each other, because we females want our our husbands to be more like us, be more empathic, be more intuitive, have better self-control, you know, (laughs) and men kind of look at us like, why are you thinking so much? Why are you? Why don't you just do it? Yeah. Like, I'm not I'm not a woman. Right. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, And and mm -hmm. so we have to have a lot of compassion for each other. But um yeah, I think we 
we just have to kind of learn to celebrate our differences and then realize when there are issues, we have to have these dialogues. Oh, and, and back to the rigid, maybe religious upbringing that so many have, um, you know, we have to do, once we get married, we need to do that psychosexual education piece. When I got married, um, you know, I'm like, okay, I want to educate myself on what does God really want for my husband and I sexually. Right. And I just read like intended for pleasure. Oh yeah. That was the book everyone gives right? you. Yeah. Right. I have friends that they struggled their wedding night. Yeah. Um, well, for multiple reasons, I think she had a ton of pins in her hair, bobby pins. So that took like uh, an hour and a half to get all of them out. And uh, then like some football team or something was at the same hotel. So they were super uh, loud. It was just this horrible experience. Uh, they I left the next morning for Hawaii. The second they landed in Hawaii, they went to the first Christian bookstore they could find and bought Intended for Pleasure and just sat in their hotel room and read it together <laughs> just I, to figure it out. Good for well, them. But, and, you know, man. I wish more couples would let themselves do that. It's like okay, we aren't going to get married and be sexual experts. We are going to have to learn how to make love to each other through all the ups and downs, through babies, through miscarriages, through maybe episodes of depression or anxiety or PMS or menopause or menopause or mm-hmm. health issues. We're going to have to learn how to navigate this together. That's why I advocate be sexual friends. Yeah. But I have had so many couples that have come into my office, you know, raised in great Christian homes. And they are like, we were told if we waited, then when we got married, we would have sexual paradise Mm. and we cannot find our on switch. And Mm. I'm like, right. I I totally get that. Um, You were told to turn that switch off, off, off. And now you want to find the on switch. And so I'm more of an advocate instead of telling people turn that all off. Let's integrate the fact that we are sexual creatures and you are going to have sexual feelings. And that is all very normal. What we need to learn how to do is how do we steward our sexuality well? And if we've turned that switch off, it's just going to take a while and some patience to learn how to become a sexual creature. Yeah. And, and I just want to say, It is good. It is by God's design. You have full permission to play together and discover your sexuality and figure out, you know, women, a lot of times I I just encourage females like, honestly, you're going to have to figure out your own body and figure out what you do like and what you don't like. And women, you know, men kind of grow up touching themselves, if I can just say that. Oh, I mean, yes, I'm raising four boys. I get it. Yes. I remember every single time they were three, four years old, old, they would get erections regularly. Yes. And I've heard that's when a testosterone surge happens um, in boys. But they would constantly be very verbal about it in public places. Mom, it hurts. It hurts. Yeah. And for one son, I said, if you'd stop touching it, it would go away. Right. And he said, my penis will go away. (laughs) Right. (laughs) And you're like, no, darling. Mr. Literal. No, you're not going to be on a therapist's couch. My mom said not to touch it because my penis will fall off. I I know. I know. Right. I don't touch it. Anyway, I was like, 
Uh, yeah, they, they do. And that's huh. all within the range of normal. And, yes. um, yes. but females I'm, don't often, or, you know, I'm, we're talking again, this, what we're talking about right now are the men and women who are raised in very conservative homes and yeah. have little to no experience with their sexuality. So yes, I think all of that is important. And y'all can listen to my episodes with Mary Flo Ridley, who's helping educate parents to have these healthy conversations like she says, when is when do you talk about your kids about sex? It's sooner than you think. It's oh, yeah. immediately <laughs> when you cut into an apple, you can talk about the seeds in the apple. Kids don't grow up in an agricultural environment, so they're not seeing animals getting frisky in the spring and babies being born. And so we just engage these conversations as the experts and we call parts what they are. We talk about God's beautiful design. We talk about that it's okay that that is pleasurable. We talk about our mission statement as a family, whatever it is for your family, um, that, you know, it's a beautiful thing that God intended for, you know, for pleasure and within, you know, whatever you want to say. But having those messaging, those messages coming in earlier and modeling as a couple, healthy, happy intimacy, cuddling, kissing, you know, not... (laughs) Not out of control yeah. in front of your kids, but just right. that they can see that that is a that that couples can be, yeah, um, warm intimate, and warm and affectionate. Yeah, warm and loving and nurturing yeah. uh, gives gives your children a great sense of security, along with a lock on your bedroom door, <laughs> which we don't have because of or the way our house has shifted with time. But we just yeah. put a giant box in front of the door. That's like the <laughs> okay, some way so, <laughs> so mommy can relax mm-hmm. and feel yes. like we're not going to have some little little person busting into our bedroom and yes. asking what's going on <laughs> any moment, you yes. know. But but yeah, locks on the bedroom door for you so you feel safe and you can relax. And you know, I think that one of the things I love about God's design is. The the name for woman in Hebrew is one who receives warmly. Mm. And so I try to encourage women, like, sex is really good for you. And I would like it to be a place for women where you are receiving warmly, not where you are like, okay, I've got to give this to him to keep him happy, but where you are letting him give you a lot of pleasure, which will give him a lot of pleasure. Yeah. There is that where you let them know that was, that was great. Thank you. Instead of, yeah. all right, check it off the list. I guess where's, yeah. you know, like someone asked, you know, said they're never in the mood. How do we make it feel like it's not a chore? Well, I think that's where the real paradigm shift needs to happen. Yeah. So many females think, well, I've got to give it to him. And I'm like, that is a damaging and dangerous paradigm. Instead, I'd like to encourage your listeners to say, sex is great for me. How about if I let him pleasure me? How about if I learn how to deep breathe, relax, and let him enjoy my body? And I receive him giving me pleasure and until I'm aroused and then I give him pleasure and then we pleasure each other. Um, you know, first Corinthians seven says that, you know, the husband is to please his wife sexually. And then she pleases him by allowing him to please her. You know, men receive a lot of pleasure by knowing they're giving their wife 
pleasure sexually. And she's given out so much every day. You know, we women, we have a lot of empathy. And so we just give out to our little ones, to our neighbors, to friends, to other people's kids. We give out so much every day. Imagine if we got in bed and and decided, oh, this is a great time for me to receive. Mm-hmm. And if your husband is the one with low sex drive, I, I would encourage you to say, hey, babe, let's go get your testosterone levels tested. And even for females, like when our hormones are not working properly, nothing's right. working properly. Yeah. So I'm a big uh, proponent of like exercise because that can actually build more testosterone in our bodies for males and females. So exercise, you know, cut down on the sugar, the sodas, the junk food, eat healthy, have your hormones tested. If they're low, you know, check out bioidentical hormones that are similar to what your body is meant to be making. Um, You know, but because of our food supplies and all the plastics, our hormones can get easily messed up in the world we live in. And we're estrogen heavy, and so we're finding a lot of low testosterone in men. And then if a husband is looking at a lot of porn and fulfilling his sexual needs that way, you know, he really needs to get help for that, and he needs to get treatment for that because that is disrupting his prefrontal cortex, which lowers his, um, which actually damages his relationship center. And so porn does more damage to our brains than we realize. And we all need to educate ourselves sexually. We all need to encourage ourselves sexually that God has a whole book in the Bible about sex. And then he refers to sex frequently throughout the Bible. So it's important. And it truly is a gift for husbands and wives to help us bond together, to deepen our attachment it's kind of like the oil in the engine to make the relationship actually easier. Right. So when it becomes a power struggle or an area of hurt and rejection and sadness, please, please, please get help, get help. Don't suffer alone. Um, get some safe people around you where you can say we're struggling sexually. And I promise you, you're normal. You aren't the only ones. All of us struggle. Well, the fact that we were just watching, I mean, okay, it's not a Christian show. We were watching Blackish and the yeah. whole episode, it was a really heavy one. We sometimes like to watch it just to laugh together. That helps us connect. Yeah. Um, but it was really heavy because it was about their marriage uh, disconnection and they were, they were arguing over their son not walking. So again, these parent stress that can enter our intimacy struggles. And they decide they're going to have sex. And I'm thinking, yeah, I'm thinking, yeah, that would really help you get on the same page and feel connected. But even in that, they couldn't. And Uh, and they also had, like you said, reach out to safe people. The husband has this group of coworkers that are a disaster. They represent every like wrong idea and ideal out there in the world. They purposefully write the show to represent wrong ideas that are said and they're telling him that it's a bad idea to plan sex they're telling him that his marriage is wrong they're telling him all wrong advice and he takes it into the bedroom and then feels like something's wrong there and they just go to bed facing opposite directions and i think okay this isn't an isolated event if they're making a secular tv show about this issue and 
and then the next TV show that came on was about a couple that they're divorced, but they live in the same house. Mm. Anyway, this yeah. is definitely, definitely, definitely a target for the enemy to break up intimacy. And I know that the women listening are aware of where they're lacking in intimacy. And mm. hopefully they're motivated to make it a priority after listening to what you've said. How do they initiate it? Where do, where do they start? How do they get on the same page or bring this yeah. up with their spouse after listening? I think I'd stay down, sit down with my spouse and say, hey, I want to be a sexual friend to you. How can we be great friends to each other and learn how to have healthy conversations about this and build a sexual bridge towards one another and make this great for you and make this great for me? And what do you need for that to happen? Mm, that's good. And, th- and this is what I need for this to happen. It's very good. It's very good. Um, And what are ways to be intimate? You'd mentioned foreplay and other things outside of sex. I think sometimes we think it's just sex. Right. Um, You know, I think it's really helpful when husbands and wives stop judging each other. Okay. Um, Like, oh, all you want is sex or, oh, you never want sex. So I think it's really helpful when we become more grace-filled towards one another and we're more accepting towards each other. And... um, then when we just start, like I advocate that couples do a 60-second hug two times a day where you just put your arms around each other. Um, you know, sometimes I have to say to my husband, like, uh, yeah, just put your arms around me because sometimes he gets really touchy-feely and goes for sexual parts when we <laughs> hug. <laughs> and so I'm like, no, 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 this is just our 60-second hug where we go chest to chest, belly to belly. We deep breathe. And we just remind each other what it feels like to have a spouse and to have somebody who loves you. And it lowers anxiety tremendously. And honestly, anxiety is one of the biggest inhibitors to having a great sex life, Hmm. along with performance issues. Like the world shows sex in such a way that it's all about performing. And sex is never meant to be a performance. It's meant to be a way for a husband and wife to intimately connect with each other. And so if you're carrying around sexual guilt or shame or baggage, I just want to say to you, please, please, please forgive yourself for any sexual mistakes you've made. We all make sexual mistakes. And God does not condemn you. He forgives you. And he doesn't want married sex to be bad because you made some mistakes before you got married. Or maybe you've made some mistakes while you've been married. And I want to ask you to please forgive yourself. Have grace for yourself. Let your mistakes go. Find a safe person that you can maybe confess it to. Let it go. And so you can move on and know that God is for you. He wants you and your husband to have a sweet sexual connection. And so start inviting God into the sexual part of your marriage. Like say, God, would you help us connect sexually? God, would you help me to feel more sexual? God, would you show us what we need to do physically or emotionally or spiritually so we can start connecting sexually better? Um, God, would you help us to talk about sex? It's really uncomfortable. And I think God is your biggest cheerleader 
an advocate to help you have a great sex life. It's important to him. And if it's important to him, it's got to be important to us, right? Mm. All that is so great. So, so good. Thank you, Nancy, for being with us today. I really Uh, appreciate it. You're so welcome, Heather. How Do you have a website or somewhere that I can point people to? I do, and I've got several articles there. It's nancyhouston.net. Okay. All right. I'll post yeah. point people there. And the name of the book again, just so they can is, go find it. Yeah, it's Love and Sex, A Christian Guide to Healthy Intimacy. And on Instagram, we're doing some work there. It's going to be Ask, it is Ask Nancy Houston. Okay. And so we're going to be putting a lot more on Instagram and, and some podcasts and things like that. Cause we just want to, I just want to help people have, have a great sex life. Even if you're single to be healthy, a healthy single sexual person, cause you're yeah. still a sexual person, right? Yeah, no. And there's just so much right now in our world that's complicated. And, um, I mean, a whole conversation about sexuality outside of the marriage and just what our kids are getting <laughs> what yeah. they're growing up into. And uh, I'll have some episodes in the future, guys, about technology and protecting our children from exposure to porn so that this does not cause um, intimacy issues in their marriages. And yeah. um, I'm going to yeah. have a mom friend come on and just talk about just the realities of um, the she, – she pointed out growing up we had porn magazines that a friend might accidentally show you that they yeah. found in their dad's closet and but there's an end of the magazine and how there's not an end to the internet and so uh, we, so true so right so profound like we we might have seen it and so parents will say oh no every kid you know every kid's exposed at some point but i don't yeah. think we grasp the hours kids are spending on screens and the the um escalating so the expectations that yeah. some spouses have of other spouses that are unrealistic Oh, we live in a, what I call pornified world. Yes. And so that's why it's important that we do become our children's sexual experts and we're up to speed and we're aware that children can ha- will have porn on their phones and they can show our children those things at school. <laughs> but, you know, like I told one mom, if you educate your child, and she did, she had four sons just like you and I do. Yeah. And she said she couldn't say the P word. You're going to have to learn how to say the P word and talk to your sons. And he went to school one day and another child showed him porn on a little reader. And he said to his friend, you know what? My mom and dad have told me all about that. So I'm not really very interested. Genius. Yeah. And so if we fill that curiosity cup for our children, they won't have to search it out elsewhere. That's so smart. So yeah. good. And for the mom who's listening, I know we're supposed to be done, but I just <laughs> thought of this idea. She, um, perhaps her husband uh, is asking her to do things in the bedroom that she doesn't feel comfortable with. Yeah. How do you advise her? Again, it's, you know, I think it's this sexual friend thing, but. <laughs> I, do, I do too. And you know what? I think every woman has to know that her no will be heard before she can freely say yes. Mm. And so every woman needs to know that, that she can say, no, I am not, I'm no, I'm not going to look at porn. No, uh, I, I, um, don't want to have anal sex. No, I don't want to have a threesome. No, I don't want to go to strip clubs. 
uh, you know, I think that it's really important that females have a very strong and powerful no so that we can say, yes, I want to have sexual fun with you. Yes, I want to explore our bodies together. Yes, I want to have fun together. Yes, yes, yes. But because we have a powerful, strong no. Yeah, that's good. There you go. <laughs> End on that. Thank you, Nancy, so much for being with me today. I really, really appreciate it. You're welcome, Heather. I appreciate you too. All right. Have a good day. You too. Bye-bye. Okay. How do you feel? I know that's a lot. It's really heavy. and But we just, we have, I mean, we have to, y'all. We have a real enemy and he wants to destroy our families. And the root of the family is the bedroom and... I know some of you are single moms, and I know that this, even this conversation may cause pain, or maybe it encouraged you for what you long for in a future spouse. Um, but overall, can I just pray over protection and guidance and healing for marriages? I'm going to do that. Dear Lord, I come before you. I'm thankful for all the husbands and wives and women and men represented listening to this podcast. I pray your Holy Spirit's power to equip and to move and to guide each of them to getting the healing that you have promised, to enabling them to thrive in their intimacy with one another, both physically and emotionally and spiritually, so that you get all the glory, so that we can represent to a world that is so broken when it comes to sex that is so broken that they can look and see and ask a question, how is that kind of love possible? And it is only because of you. It is only because you overcome the broken places in our lives and our souls because we have surrendered them to you, God. I thank you and praise you that we get to partner with you in this. I pray for all the hard conversations that might happen after listening to this show I pray that you would guide each person to initiate those conversations in the perfect time, the right time, that you go before them, that you prepare that, that I pray protection over any distractions or any um, lies that they shouldn't bring it up, that, that the enemy would be just held back, that you would confuse him, that his battle strategies would be just broken apart and destroyed and that you would overcome God, that you would overpower us with your love, with your ability to move us closer to one another and love to model Christ in the church and Jesus name. Amen. All right, y'all do not forget that anything we mentioned in the show, any books or podcasts or anything resources, they are always over at godcenteredmom.com associated with this episode. So you just Google search God Center Mom and Nancy Houston episode 206 and you will find the show notes. Uh, so you, I don't want you to miss out on something that God needs wants to use in your life to restore your marriage. And yeah, okay. This has been another long episode. I know y'all have been putting out a long episodes lately, but the good stuff, I have to get all the good stuff in. Maybe you broke it up over multiple days, but I know May is busy. And uh, so thank you for hanging with me. So many amazing things coming up. I'm kind of hitting this, this topic hard because I really feel like the enemy is 
hitting it hard. And so next week, we're going to talk about uh, digital things and our kids, technology and our kids. So hang on. All right. Adios. Bye. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the God-Centered Mom podcast. If you're looking for more resources on how to replace me with he, go to GodCenteredMom.com. That's where you'll also find show notes with any links mentioned by our guest. I want you to really understand and know that God is just as present while you are washing dishes at your kitchen sink as while you are worshiping him in a church pew. He sees your service to your family and he is pleased. As it says in Zephaniah 3.17, the Lord your God is with you. He is mighty to save. He takes great delight in you. He will quiet you with his love and he will rejoice over you with singing. Have a great day.